last day. So, okay, guys, so many testimonies. Oh my gosh, so many things God is doing and moving in our midst, and I'm just so excited. We've had uh, Reverend Jeremy and Jocelyn Gall here two of the last three weeks. They were praying for people. There's been healings happening, and God has just been really moving and working in our midst. So give him a hand, because we just thank you, Lord, for how good Jesus is. Amen. And I have another testimony, a praise report I want to share this morning. Um, And so this person didn't know this was happening, uh, but Janet came up to me before the service and said, during our time of prayer, during our time of seeking the Lord, we felt like the Lord said, when we write out our tithe check, that on the tithe check in the memo, we should write ECF Church Debt Free. F-R-E-E in capital letters. She said F-R-E in capital letters. Now, I'm not saying we're debt-free yet, so I don't hold the applause for that one when that happens because it's going to be amazing. But what she didn't know, and if you are aware and you take a look in the sanctuary, we have taken down another square of our debt. So give the Lord a hand, clap for that. And this, so each of these blocks are worth $25,000 of debt that we owe to the bank, and we are praying and believing in Jesus' name that this campus is completely paid for. And the exciting thing about this one is it moves us from seven digits to six digits. So we are now officially below a million dollars. We're in the $900,000 range, and we're believing that God is going to pay that debt off faster than we think or can imagine, because that's the good God that we serve. And in about, I think it was less than four years ago, the Lord told us that make this a focus, talk about it, not a lot, but just make sure the church knows where the debt is and and make it kind of a, a point periodically. And since that time, we have paid off almost $300,000 of debt. So God has just been so good. He is so faithful. Amen. You can give one more hand. We'll just keep clapping all morning here. So I just want to so thank you to those who are partnering with us. And what we do is we've committed to pay minimum $5,000 a month above and beyond our mortgage payment to principal. That was our kind of our leadership commitment that we had prayed about. The elders prayed about that. That's what we want to go do. And so if you want to support that or really help towards that, uh, on the offering envelope, it's, we always say that this, that kind of giving is above and beyond your tithes and offerings. So the second line on the offering envelope uh, says building fund. And so if you ever want to give specifically to that, uh, you can do that. And what I've noticed or what I've heard, some people have made a commitment to say, when the Lord does this, I will do this. And that's okay to do. So when the Lord blesses you with this or with that, that I am going to go give to that campaign to really see that debt paid off. So you don't have to tell me about it. That's between you and the Lord. So you just go make that happen when the Lord says to do it. Because how many of you know, when we obey what the Lord says to go do, there is blessing in it. And it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen. All right, I have a scripture here this morning for offering, and I'll pray about it out of 1 Corinthians 3, and this is in verse, this is verse 6. It says, I planted, this is Paul talking, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Church, God gives the increase. God does the hard work. Think about that. You plant a seed, you know, you put some water on it, but guess who does the actual growing? Guess who actually makes it grow? Not me, not you, nobody but him. 
Nobody but God. He is the one who actually makes it grow. He is the one who makes the increase, not you and I. So we're just here to be faithful to what the Lord has asked us to do and commanded us to do in his word. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord. For every gift, every giver, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are moving this debt mountain in Jesus' name. Father, you say speak to the mountain and it will move. So, Father, we thank you that the word for this church is that we will be debt-free quicker than we thought or imagined. So we hold on and we hold fast to that, Lord. And we thank you that this campus will be debt-free. It will all be paid for to continue to do the mighty works that you have in store for this church. And so, Father, I just thank you, Father, that you are moving and working in our finances. Lord, every bill is paid in Jesus' name, not just for the church, but for every person here, Father. We just thank you that you are working and moving in that area as we trust in you for it. And, Father, as I just give a message this morning that I believe is from you, Lord, that it will just bless our hearts in your precious, precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. Okay. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Go to Acts uh, chapter 9. And I have a little bit of an intro I'm going to do first. Uh, and then we'll get into, and I have a scripture in Psalms that I'll hit first. But then we'll get into Acts chapter 9. And we're starting a new series Starting a new series uh, this morning called Spiritual Disciplines of Abstinence. Yeah. And all those who are not married are just like, yeah, I get it. And all those who are married are like, wait a second. You know, I thought the Bible says that two have to agree before we... Okay, I'm not talking about the abstinence that everybody thinks of immediately upon saying that word. This is not health class from high school. Okay? Okay. Not health class from high school. But what I'm talking about, and what I want to talk about over the next couple of weeks, these spiritual disciplines of abstinence, because the Lord commands us, and he shows us in the Bible over and over and over, that we need to be able to restrain ourselves, sometimes from doing what our flesh wants to go do. How many know that, right? Our flesh wants to go this way, and the, and the Spirit, and God is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's saying slow down, he's saying stop, he's saying have a Sabbath, he's saying all these things to us, but in today's culture, in today's world, we just go, we go, 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 we go fast. And if you remember, uh, a couple of months ago, we did spiritual disciplines of action, and we all love the action spiritual disciplines. It was pray, it was worship, it was eat together, it was fellowship together. It was all these things that we saw the early church do that made us excited because we were doing something. But we have to remember that the Lord also calls us to stop. Many times he is calling us to stop even though we want to just keep going forward. What is abstinence? What does it mean? So the definition is, I don't have this up, just listen to it. It's the fact or practice of restraining oneself from indulging in something. So the actual act of refraining from doing something that we want to do so badly, that is what abstinence is. It's restraining from something we want to do. And in fact, it seems like it's the absolute opposite of today's society. Because today's society is indulge in this, have as much of this, do as much social media as you can, play as many video games as you possibly can get your hands on. Like, that's what the culture says. So do more, do it bigger, do it faster, do more of it, more of it, more of it. 
And there is a time and a place in our walk and in our spiritual disciplines where there is when we have to do more of praying or whatever, but I just want to focus on the ones that are stopping and doing less of in certain cases because there's a balance of the two. The key verse for this entire series is in Psalm 46, verse 10. You, don't, you can write it down, and I'll have it up here on this, and stay in Acts chapter 9 because that's where we'll spend the most of our time. Psalm 46, 10 says this. Be still. Come on, church. Be still and know that I am God. So what the Bible is saying is if we are not still, we can't really know God. You're like, well, you look at my personality. I am... You know, Enneagram 3, I'm type A, I am this and that. I'm just go, 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 go. And but the Lord says specifically, be what? Still. Take a breath. Be still and know that I am God. What Pastor Liz was saying this morning about her time with the Lord. She was being still with the Lord and he revealed something to her. Do you know if she was blasting through her morning and not being still, many times we can't hear the voice of the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs that wisdom is crying out at the intersections of our life. It's literally yelling to us. God is yelling wisdom to us at the intersections of our life. And you're like, but I don't don't know what to do, and I'm not sure what to do, and I'm just going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that. And now the Lord is saying, stop. Slow down. Take a breath. Be still, and then know that I am God. It's not know that I am God and then be still. Like, that would be cool. That would be great. Like, okay, I get to know that. And, and sometimes it feels like that does happen, yeah? It feels like that happens at church on Sunday mornings in God's presence. You're just, you're just man, God, you are so good. And you're just like, hmm. And everything kind of gets still. But what this verse is saying is saying, be still first and then know that I am God. This is hard. How many know this? This is difficult. We go so fast that we miss We're never still. You know, I talk to people all the time, and I am as guilty of this as anybody else. You walk up, and probably you all did this during the break, right? You walk up to somebody, hey, how you doing? Mm, I'm doing good, highly blessed favor, but I am busy, right? How many times when someone says, how you doing, you say, I'm good, but I'm busy. I'm good, but I'm busy. It's like it's just our vocabulary. What if you said, how you doing? I'm blessed, I'm highly favored, and I'm being still so I can know my God. Nobody says that. What if we started doing that, though? What if we actually started slowing down in certain things in our life? And it's interesting, the rest of that verse says this. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So being still and knowing that he is God, you will see how he is being exalted in the nations. You will begin to see and understand how he is being exalted in all the earth. And then verse 11 says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So what he's saying is that when we are still, you will will know 
you will know that he is with you. When we are going too fast, it's like we don't even recognize or realize what God is doing in our circumstances. We're just blasting through it. And there are things that he's doing and maneuvering. If we would just stop for a second and reflect and remember that God is actually with us, he's with us. He's always with us. It says the Lord of hosts is what? Is with us. If he's always with us, it's really our problem that don't, when we don't realize it. It's our problem that we have some blinders on, or we're too busy, or we're not seeing, or we're not reflecting, or we're not understanding. Why? Most of the time is because we're moving too fast. And we're not stopping. We're not stopping. He is with us. Hallelujah. So these spiritual disciplines of abstinence, I'm going to do one of them here this morning. I have a list of them up here for you. We're going to show the list. You know, as a preacher, you got to make things all kind of coordinate. So, of course, they all start with S. So you'll help to remember these. You can take a picture of the screen if you want. But we're going to walk through these week by week. So there is stopping, which I chose to do first, because it feels like you can't do any of the other ones until you stop. It's like you can't get silence if you didn't stop. You can't spend some time in solitude with the Lord if he didn't stop. You can't slow down if you don't actually stop first. And you can't have any kind of Sabbath or self-restraint, in this case fasting, if you don't actually stop and begin to seek the Lord in these situations. Amen? So these are the spiritual disciplines of abstinence we're going to go through. And I have two examples from my personal life where... And they're funny ones, ones that you'll remember or like at least have experienced maybe in your own life. Before I get into it, we're going to look at the life of Saul when, he, when Jesus really calls on him and what happened in his life. And how many of you have ever been driving in a snowstorm? Yeah, and then you hit the brakes, you're driving pretty quick and you hit the brakes and there is no stopping. All the anti-lock braking systems are trying to do their things, but you are on ice and it does not matter about anything else. Well, this happened to me. I was in college. I was driving on Route 80, right? And I'm just driving, driving, driving. And it's a massive snowstorm. I'm on this old Ford Tempo, I think it was. They probably don't even make those anymore, right? A Ford Tempo. And I'm about to get off the exit. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I made the exit. And I pulled off the exit. I hit the brakes. And there was no, there was no stopping. And you're just going, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 right? And just, and boom, I hit the guardrail and bounced around. I was like, ah. But you ever sense that feeling, like you're moving so much you cannot stop? It's a terrible feeling, right? It's, no, 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 And you start clenching up, yeah? Because you're moving so fast that the impact is going to be what? It's going to be pretty severe. Because we're going so fast. The next example, which I absolutely love, I'll never forget it. I think I was probably six or seven. We were at a campground. My parents were, I think my sister was in a stroller. She's nine years younger, so I, asked, I guess I was more than six or seven. I must have been nine or ten, because I remember my sister was in a stroller. And we're at the top of a hill. And when you're nine or ten, and you have new sneakers, they make you run faster. Don't they? Right? Like, legit new sneakers make you run faster and jump higher. Now, it may all be in your head mentally, but it works. I got new softball cleats this year. Mid-season, 
I was faster. I could jump higher. It happens. <clears throat> okay. So I had these new sneakers on. I remember it. And I'm at the top of this hill. And I see my dad down at the, at the bottom of the hill. I'm like, Dad, watch how fast I can run. And I start running down this hill. And my legs are going so, I'm just, mm, I'm smiling. I'm enjoying the run. I'm going faster and faster and faster. And my face starts going, oh my goodness. My body is going faster than my little legs can keep up. And I'm going faster and faster, right? You've had this feeling, I can't stop. There is no stopping me. And I'm going, going. And my dad, I, could, I wasn't even really looking at his face anymore. But I, because he told me, he's like, his face was like, oh, no, right? And it's like the slow motion where my dad's coming to me, and I'm just going, no. And I dove at the last second. I don't know what possessed me to dive, but I dove like this. My eyes are closed. I'm like, impact. And my dad caught me. He caught me. And isn't that like our Heavenly Father? That even when we are moving so fast and we can't stop ourselves, if we would only just jump and dive into his arms, he will be the one that is there to catch us. Because we have to remember he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. So if you're moving too fast and you feel like you can't stop, jump into his arms this morning. Amen? Amen. Okay, Acts chapter 9. I told you I'd get there. Starting in verse 3, we're going to talk about stopping today. And this word stopping, I want you to think about it not like a stop sign so much, but as, as the word mean, also means to yield. Not just stopping, but to yield. To yield to what the Lord is speaking to you in your life. Acts 9, verse 3. He's talking about Saul before his name became Paul. As he journeyed near and came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Verse 4. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And if you notice in this scripture, if you know a little bit of the background of Saul before he became Paul and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and has this radical conversion experience, which is what really this is beginning to talk about, he was a man on the go. He was a religious leader. He was on the go. He was a leader. He was doing. He was moving. He was shaking. He was getting Christians persecuted left and right. He was doing all these things. He was feeling good about himself. And he felt like, hey, this is great. Everything's going well. I'm going to this town now to get more persecution to happen. And what happened? He was stopped. The Lord got his attention. There are many times in our life where the Lord is trying to get our attention. And a lot of times we miss it, and I don't want to miss it anymore. I want to proactively develop a spiritual discipline where I stop on a regular basis so that I don't have to have an experience where God comes and he uses a circumstance or a situation and causes me to stop suddenly. You know, we serve an amazing God. He is not a God of destruction or sickness. But I also know that God uses all things together for good 
And a lot of times we get stopped because of the world or because of sin or because of whatever the reason is, but God will continue to use that. So he was stopped right there where he was traveling. He was going. He wanted to go, and the Lord said, no, you're going to stop. Verse 5, and he said, who are you, Lord? Wow. Who are you, Lord? The power of God present right there in that moment. The very first question that Saul, who became Paul, asked is, who are you, Lord? Wow. And I'm encouraging us that we proactively take stops in our life and say that exact sentence. Who are you, Lord? Show me your ways. Show me more of you. When we read the Bible and we search and we look to see who he is and his goodness and his faithfulness, if you don't stop to look and see his faithfulness, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. And this question that Paul asked, who are you? He was stopped. He was able to ask the question. If he had never been stopped, if heaven never intervened and Jesus didn't intervene, he would have never asked the question. Now he was stopped. Now he could seek. Now he could begin to ask questions. When you're going so fast, there's no questions to ask. You were just moving. Then the Lord said this. He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Oh, he's having a personal encounter with Jesus. And it says, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. You're like, what on earth is that? What is a goad? Well, good thing I looked it up for you. Goads were this. They were typically made from slender pieces of timber, blunt on one end and pointed on the other. And farmers, or those who moved cattle, used the pointed edge to urge a stubborn ox into motion. Occasionally, the beast would kick at the goad, And the more the ox kicked, the more likely the goad would stab into the flesh of its leg, causing greater pain. And it's interesting that the Lord uses this phrase, why it's hard for you to go kick against the goads. And what this is telling me is that this was not the first time Jesus was trying to get Paul's attention. He's saying, what? I keep trying to get your attention and you just keep, keep kicking back. Keep moving on. Keep moving forward. Keep moving. How many of us in the same category do this? Come on, church, we do it. You're like, God's trying to get our attention. You're just like, get off of me. It's like we're playing a football game and we got to get to the end zone, right? It's just like, get out of my way. Get out of my way. Like, move out of here. What? Read the Bible. I don't have time for that. I got to go. I got to make it happen. I live in America, for goodness sakes. I gotta have a bigger, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. What will my neighbor think if I'm sitting silently on my porch? Like, what's wrong with that person? You see, this is not the first time Jesus was trying to get Paul's attention. But he tried and he didn't get Paul's attention. He tried and didn't get Paul's attention. And this time, he's getting his attention. And I think in our own lives, this spiritual discipline of stopping is so important because if we would stop periodically and check in with the Lord and say, hey, what's going on periodically, guess what? We can avoid some of the big stops that happen in our life. It doesn't mean you get to avoid all of them. 
but you get to avoid so many of these stops in our life. So he, verse 6, trembling and astonished, right? I think who would be uh, trembling and astonished when Jesus shows up in a bright light and just says, like, why are you persecuting me, brother? Right? I don't know. I like to say maybe, you know, when I get to heaven, I want to know the tone of voice that was used sometimes in some of the scriptures. Like, I'm always interested, like, how exactly did he say that, you know? What was his body language when it happened? Right? So he saw, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? <gasps> he asked two questions. Who are you? And what do you want me to do? How many times do we, as a church, we, as we're walking with the Lord, need to stop and ask, Lord, just show me more of who you are. And Lord, what do you want me to do? If wisdom is crying out at the intersections, if we would stop, be still, know that he is God, and ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? My experience in the Bible says he will speak to you. He will lead you. He will guide you. Because remember, he's there. So if we would stop and listen for a second, we begin to hear his voice. And when we read his word and when we pray, he begins to lead us and guide us in this. Then the Lord said to him, he gave him instructions. Arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Paul had to stop and then he had to trust and yield to the Lord. He didn't tell me he was going to go in the city and that he was going to get his eyesight back, and that all these other things were going to happen, and that he was going to write two-thirds of the New Testament, and that he was going to be used greatly, and he was going to go to prison, and he was going to get beaten, and chains were going to fall off, and he was going to see healings and miracles, and all the things that Paul's life ended up being, he didn't tell him any of that. None of it. He didn't reveal the entire plan and purpose for Paul's life on the road to Damascus. All he said, all Jesus said to him was, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And so Paul had a decision to make, or Saul in this case at that time. Am I going to go do it or am I not? Guys, we all have a decision to make. We have choices to make every day in our lives, in our marriage, in our, in our workplaces, in our relationships, in our finance and everywhere. Will you do what the Lord is asking you to go do. Paul had to trust and he had to yield his flesh to the Lord. Verse 7. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open he saw no one, but he was led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was there 3 days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Interesting. Paul yields to the direction of the Lord, but he goes another step further. He says, Lord, I want to know you. I want to understand this. He begins fasting. He wasn't told to fast. It didn't say, it just said, go to that city and you'll be told what to do. And he's like, man, I don't have my sight. Lord, who are you? What do you want me to go do? And he began to fast. He was putting his flesh down. He was yielding every bit of his body in order to understand what the call and plan of the Lord was for his life. 
But he couldn't do that if he was moving too quick. He couldn't do that if he just was blasting through to Damascus and didn't stop. He was there for three days. He neither ate nor drank. So my question to you this morning, do you really want to stop and ask those questions? Yeah, it's hard. And the spiritual discipline doesn't happen overnight. How many know that disciplines don't necessarily happen overnight? It takes weeks. It takes time. They say it takes three to four weeks to establish a habit to do something, which means you have to begin practicing this. You have to begin doing this in your life. You have to begin doing this once a week, once a month, daily. I encourage you to do it multiple times a day. I need to do it multiple times a day. I stop in the morning, but man, after that morning stop is over, it's like, all go, constant. I'm not blasting past things all the time. Blessings. Things God's doing. Things in my life, my children, my wife, my spouse, my friends, my church. I'm just going. And the Lord's just saying to us all, just stop. Just stop trying to do everything on your own. Stop trying to be everything to everybody. Just stop. So we've got these two questions. Who are you and what do you want me to do? Are you willing, church, to do that? Are you willing to stop periodically? Here's what we can, here's what we can learn from this. Here's what happens when we do that. We can look at the rest of Paul's life. When we stop and when we yield, the rest of Paul's story says this. Here's what happens when we do this. Number one, God meets our need. You don't meet it in your own strength. All you're trying, all the strategy, it's all that's good, and you write it down and pro and con list, whatever, but you have to yield it to God. You have to give it to him. This is all great, but I have to give it to him. I have to stop for a second, a minute, an hour. Oh my gosh, an hour. And begin to yield this to the Lord. The second thing we see in Paul's life, the rest of his life, is God then displays his power. When we stop and when we yield, when we stop and when we yield, God meets our need, and he also displays his power. Look at what happened even in that story. Paul got his sight back. He was baptized. God was moving miraculously because Paul was willing to stop and yield. It feels like he didn't have much of a choice in this case. But he could have just kept, I'm, forget it, I'm not, going to, I'm not going the rest of the way. That was wild. That was just a one-time experience. I'm just going to move on. But he went and then he fasted. He went and was like, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm going all in on this. I'm going all in. And then we also see in Paul's life that then God uses us greatly. He uses us greatly. And what I've noticed from the story is Paul had to first stop before he could be used greatly. All of us want to be over here. Yeah, come on. Our flesh and our desires, our humanness says, I want to be used greatly. Use me, use me. Go, go, go. Do, do, do. More, more, more. And the Lord's saying, stop. Know who I am. Ask me what you want me to do. And then, 
he begins to use people greatly in their lives. So, Sid, if you want to come back up here, I'm going to close with this. In order to be used greatly, we need to learn to stop. We need to begin to develop the spiritual discipline of stopping. God is looking for those who will stop. Wisdom's crying out. Answers to your questions are crying out if we would just stop. Some practical ways, some things that I'm working on in my own life, on times to stop in our life. And I wrote down, you know, pick one, pick a bunch of them. Just do something. Don't leave here this morning and being like, yeah, mm, Pastor Jason, that was a great message. What was it about again? Stop. That's all you got to remember. Stop. Stop. Be still and know that I am God. You have to stop to be still. And to know that he is God. And that he is with you. Some practical ways you can do this. You know, I wrote down uh, morning, noon, and night. Could we just take three times during the day. I'm working on this with you. Okay, I do the morning one okay. But I don't do the noon one well. And at night, I'm like... I don't stop for a minute to reflect what God has done, how faithful he was, how he was with me through the day. Lord, what could I have learned from you during this day? Show me a better way for tomorrow. Morning, noon, and night. Just take a minute to stop. Another way is whenever we lose our peace. If you are anxious if you are worried, if you are concerned, and you know how you feel on the inside. Like, you know what, when you feel peace, you're like, mm, I know this crazy stuff going on around me, and I don't know what's going to happen in this world or in my family or in this or in that or whatever. But when you sense that peace, you know it. And I think too many of us, we walk around, including myself, many days without peace. And in order to resolve not having peace, we just do more. We try harder. We try to do more things, better things, more scriptural things. We try to do all these things to make ourselves feel better. But I'm telling you, any time during the day, the week, the month, where you feel like you've lost peace and you begin to feel anxiety or fear or just something that is not of God, I encourage you, stop. Just stop and ask those same two questions that Paul asks. Who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? Who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? So whenever you lose your peace, and the last way, if you can remember this or write them down, is whenever a situation arises, whatever the situation that arises and you're just like, if you're attuned to the Lord, you say, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> stop. Everybody just stop for a second. The kid falls down the steps and hits their head. Hmm? Imagine living a life where we're not panicking. And the key to not panicking is to stop and say, Lord... Who are you and what do you want me to do in this situation? And you just take a moment. Now, okay, if the kid's head's 
cracked open. And I get it. You understand what I'm saying. There are situations that arise in our lives where we just need to stop. You know what? Erica Horniman, you taught us this. And we even call it in our family, pulling an Erica. Pulling an Erica. And what pulling an Erica really means is that when a situation happens or a circumstance happens, we just stop and we just begin to pray. She does it all the time. I've seen her do it. We, she did it with us in a meeting. We were talking about something super serious, and I was like, you know what, we got to do And she just started praying. I was like, half offended for a second. It's like, what is she doing? And we realized, oh my gosh, she's taking the situation to God. She's stopping for a moment and she's taking it to God. And so now we pull Erica's, probably not as much as we should. But I encourage you all to do that. When a situation arises, you're just like, you know what, stop, I'm going to pray right now. Don't even say I'm going to pray. Just start praying. Just start praying. Just start doing it. You stop your current course of action and you just pray. So bow your heads with me this morning. Oh, Lord, we just love you so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're always with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Father, I just pray that as we leave this place today, that we would not forget to stop. to stop during the day and to ask those questions. Lord, who are you? Show me. Show yourself in this situation. Lord, what do you want me to do? That we would do that morning, noon, and night. And that when we lose our peace, you would teach us to stop. And when a situation arises, that we would just stop and pray. And give it to you immediately. That we would not wait till later in the day or we would wait weeks from now and put it on a prayer list that we hope to get to some other day. That we would just stop and we would pray. So Lord, help us in this spiritual discipline. Remind us daily to do this multiple times a day as we grow in this spiritual discipline of stopping. We thank you, Lord. With everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, I just want to ask you a question this morning. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, this is your stop moment. This is the Lord getting your attention this morning, and he's saying... Stop and make a decision today. The Bible says all of us have sinned and everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. And that that sin leads to death and it leads to destruction unless we accept and receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ by receiving him as our Savior, by receiving Him in what He did on the cross. His body broken, His blood shed, the price 
ultimately paid for us because we are his joy. So if that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. Just slip your hand up. If you're here and you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, this is your stop moment. Okay, everyone here is, you guys can look at me. Everyone's right with the Lord. As far as that's concerned, church, I just encourage you. I encourage you, encourage you to just stop this week. Stop this afternoon. Take a moment, take a breath. And we'll get into more of these spiritual disciplines, kind of the the deep hows of what does silence look like, what does solitude look like, what does that mean? People are like, solitude? Hallelujah, when can I start? (laughs) Away from people. All right, all the introverts are like, what week are you doing that one? Yeah, and all the extroverts are like, eh, how long does it have to be? Right? Okay, we'll get into all that stuff in following weeks. But I just encourage you guys, please take time this week to stop, to stop, to stop. Amen? Amen. Let me just read a benediction. I have some prayer teams that are coming up here. If you need prayer for anything in your life, whatever it might be, relationship, healing, a situation that you just want to agree with someone in prayer, there'll be some prayer teams up here. And I just feel led to read, I don't normally do this, I'm going to read the same verse that I ended worship with. It says, Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him, Jesus, the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Do you know you have to stop to bow your knee? You can't be moving forward. I know the kids try to walk real fast on their knees, but us adults, that's hard and hurts. Every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth, under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed. Prayer teams will be up here. We'll see you on Friday night, summer nights, 5 p.m.